All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com etm and use code etm at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com etm and use code etm. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm gonna leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking seven not so talked about money tips. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. So I wanted to talk to you today about some money tips that I think aren't talked about enough or maybe at all. And they're things that I think are really important at least to consider. Remember, anytime you're hearing about a money tip or a money idea or a money suggestion, whatever it may be, you always have to pass it through the filter of, does this work for my own personal situation, for my goals, for my family's goals, whatever it may be, right? So everything is kind of with a grain of salt. And as I always like to say, all of these ideas on the podcast that we talked about, and we've had well over 250 episodes in the last two years, are food for thought, right? Because money is not one size fits all. I, I don't tell you the 10 rules to follow. And then if you follow those 10 rules, like magically you're going to be rich or wealthy or be able to achieve everything you want. And I get really frustrated, I think, when I hear a lot of people talk about rules, that you have to follow these exact rules or you're not doing it right. And I'm using air quotes right now. You actually can't see it. I wish you could. (laughs) But that's just not the case because even if, let's just say there were these like magical 10 rules or steps or things that you had to do, even if you crossed out all of those 10 things, 
it doesn't suddenly mean that you're going to, you know, retire with enough money to last for the rest of your life, that you're never going to have a financial blip come up, or that you're always going to be able to afford every money goal that you want. It just, it doesn't work that way. And I think that we just don't talk about that enough, right? I wish we would just, we would like literally just take down the, the pretty bows and all of the magical things, you know, that we, um, I don't know that we, that we think, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. You, you get my idea here, right? Like we're, we pretty this up, we pretty money up, we pretty up what you have to do. And then we, we say, if you, if you don't do these things, you're not doing it right. And that gets so frustrating to me because there are so many things where there isn't necessarily a right wrong. There's just a lot of different ways to do it. Now, there are some things where there is a right, I wouldn't even say a wrong, but there's just kind of a, a, a methodology for how you should do certain things. That That is absolutely the truth, right? But everything is totally dependent on your situation. And so, again, you got to always just weigh it against you, right? Because you know you best, you know what you're trying to do, you know what you're trying to achieve. And um, I don't, I'm just here to give you a lot of ideas, a lot of things to think about, demystify a lot of things for you. And, uh, you know, hopefully bring some clarity or, you know, some excitement maybe to, to tackling some of these money things. So talking about some seven things that again, I don't think are often talked about. And the first one, I know I've talked about this on a few podcasts before, but I'm, I, um, I think this is something that is, that is overlooked a lot. And I think it's something that could, uh, step in and be, uh, kind of a vital piece of someone's overall financial plan. And it's something called an umbrella policy. And it works just exactly like this sounds. This is something that you would add with your current homeowners, car insurance company, whoever you're using, that's who you would actually purchase this umbrella policy for. And, you know, if, if this is at all intriguing to you, I highly suggest that you call and talk to that person, get more information, get quotes for what it would be for your situation. An umbrella policy usually is not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. We have an umbrella policy. I think we pay maybe a couple hundred dollars a year. So it's not a lot of money for amount of protection that it provides. What you don't think about often when you're pricing car insurance is those different limits that are on the car insurance, right? And let's say you were in potentially like a catastrophic car accident, right? And you were sued. And it's very easy if you're sued for anything for you to actually hit the limits of your car insurance, what they're going to provide. Well, the difference, you got to somehow come up with that money. And I know most of us don't have, you know, 500,000 to a million bucks just kind of sitting around, right? And so what an umbrella policy does is it literally goes over your car insurance, over your home insurance, over your renter's insurance, all of those sort of things like an umbrella would do. And it's going to provide an extra layer of coverage for you. So if you hit those limits, you've got an extra pool of money that you can pull from, right? It's beautiful. Um, I think it is something that is just not 
talked about a lot because it's not sexy and we don't think about it. We don't think about it when we're, uh, you know, getting our car insurance or things like that, but it can really be a huge bank account saver, lifesaver, if you will, if, if something happens and you're in a spot where you're sued. And I have seen so many different scenarios where an umbrella policy literally has come in like Superman with a cape on and save the day. So I'm going to put a little link to description about about umbrella policy in the show notes. Again, if it's something that is sort of intriguing to you, I highly suggest just get a quote from your auto insurance carrier. Um, You know, $500,000, a million dollars sounds like a lot of money, right? Uh, We have a million dollar policy and I think we pay, like I said, maybe $200 a year. It's a very small amount of money to leverage that kind of money just in case, again, something happens and it's going to umbrella, it's going to cover that gap where your other insurance leaves off. Hope that makes sense. Again, ask your property and casualty agent for more information on that. And I'm sure they would be happy to talk about that because it's just not talked about very much. All right. Number two, this is, um, I think something that a lot of people know about, but we tend to get really siloed in our thinking. And it's just the idea that a really smart money move is to have many different buckets of wealth. So often what I find is that a lot of people focus on, you know, saving in their 401k, saving in their IRA, saving their Roth, which is great. That is an amazing place to put your money, right? It's great when the stock market's up, not so great when it's down, but usually that's just kind of a blip and you recover. People who left their money in after 2008, 2009 have more than, if they're invested properly, <laughs> more than enough made up for uh, that particular loss. But I will say that a lot of the wealthiest people that I have seen, that I have worked with, that I have you know had a little g- glimpse into their, their finances have buckets of wealth. So they may have some real estate. Maybe they have some investment properties. They have some money in their 401k and their IRA. Maybe they invest in some businesses. Maybe they invest in some some other things. They spread their wealth out, right? And they're not kind of this tunnel vision of thinking. What a lot of people forget is if you're invested primarily in a 401k or an IRA, now, Roth doesn't apply to this, but those those other two, when you go to retire, the money that you're going to take out is taxed at that time because you put that money in pre-tax. And a lot of times people forget that. They think, oh, I've got a lot of money in there, but they forget, forget that the taxes actually have to come out of that when you go to pull money out. And that does affect things overall, right? So... Again, if we've got our money spread out in lots of different things, if there's a market decline, um, you know, there's a million things that could happen. You have lots of different places that you could go to to pull money from. So just again, something food for thought. Number three is something I call a float fund. We talk a lot about emergency funds. Emergency funds, super, super important. But a lot of times people are like, ah, I just, I don't even like that word emergency. And so that does not motivate me to save money in emergency fund. And I get it. I don't like bad words like that either. <laughs> but um, 
A float fund is something very similar to an emergency fund, but if the idea of saving three to six months worth of your fixed expenses in an account is just way too overwhelming, let's think about some other things that might be a little bit more manageable for you, right? So number one is what is the deductible on your car insurance? Is it 500 bucks? Is it a thousand bucks? Is it more? Whatever that amount is, that should be in your float fund. Save that money in your float fund. In case you have an accident and you need to get that deductible, you've got the cash. You don't even have to think about it, right? And number two, what is your health insurance deductible? If you have one of these health insurance plans that has a really high deductible, try your best to save as much as you can ahead of the new year in that float fund so that you've got that money there when you need to use it for your deductible. If you're just going to the doctor maybe not such a big deal, right? But if you have to have a procedure or an x-ray or going to the hospital, you're going to hit that deductible super fast. And it can be, you know, a bit of panic. Now, a lot of hospitals, a lot of doctors allow you to work out payment plans, which is awesome. A lot of them do it at zero interest, which is way better than you putting that that charging that on a credit card or anything like that, you should always ask for a payment plan because a lot of hospitals, a lot of doctors are willing to do this for you. It's a better way for you to leverage your money than again, a credit card or pulling it out of your retirement or anything like that. I know I'm a bit biased, but honestly, I think I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a golden mountain doodle and she is full of spunk and fun and she's never met a ball she does not love. I honestly, I would do anything for Winnie and she has enriched my life so much. I can confidently say Winnie is absolutely one of the most priceless purchases I have ever made. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. In today's world, we insure a lot, from cars and homes to cell phones and even travel plans. But what about insurance for your cat or dog? With ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. This is what I call smart spending because, let's be real, those vet bills, they can be expensive. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program, they've been around for about 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure your pet's plan is unique as they are. Because vet bills, they can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. You use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTC Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it. 
or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business, so you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. What I love about Monarch is its simple and easy customizable design so the dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips. And Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. You can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I have to tell you about my new obsession, Notion, our sponsor today. Notion has single-handedly changed how I do life for the better. I use Notion for all my daily journaling so I can keep it all in one spot. I also keep all our favorite recipes that are budget-friendly in Notion so I can easily sort and find the ones I love and easily create fast grocery lists. And okay, one of the best uses of Notion, you can create a template for your money dates and track your goals right in Notion. Seriously, Notion is a game changer. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but really getting inspired. It's an AI-powered workspace. It turns knowledge into action. You can use Notion to summarize meeting notes and auto-generate action items, get answers to questions in minute, and you can make all of your money tasks so much easier. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, freelance designer, starting a new startup, a student juggling classes and clubs, or just somebody really wanting to get your life together. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters. Notion.com slash etm and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash etm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. But if you save enough in your float fund, you got the cash there, right? And another thing, okay, so we got our car deductible money, we got our health insurance deductible money. Let's try and save at least a minimum of one month of our income in this float fund too. Now, if you're married, if there's two of you, try to save a month of income for each of you. Again, this is not going to provide you with a whole lot of uh, floating ability. 
if you lose your job or something happens, but you've at least got something in there and something is always better than nothing, all right? So if the idea of emergency fund kind of freaks you out or you don't know how to approach it, think about a float fund. Okay, number four, oftentimes you're, you're offered company life insurance through work. A lot of times they cover the life insurance. Great, no out of pocket to you, perfect scenario. But sometimes you're offered insurance, life insurance through a company that you actually have to pay. And from spending 11 years working in um, insurance industry, I can tell you that usually the company life insurance is going to cost you more than if you got your own individual life insurance policy, right? It's at least worth you cost comparing, at the very minimum. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes, uh, a couple online places that you can cost compare and just see. For instance, I was just with um, someone, a friend over the weekend, and we were cost comparing buying her company life insurance with outside life life insurance. And the difference was drastic for what she would have to pay for the company life insurance versus what she would have to pay just getting a policy on an individual basis. Um, she would be saving so much money getting it on an individual basis. Now she has to qualify, so her health has to be good. There, there are factors that have to be considered in there. However, the cost difference, it was like enough to fund one of her money goals, all right? So again, just something for you to compare, food for thought. And if you don't know if you're paying for your company life insurance, well, (laughs) I suggest that's a really good place to start, right? Ask HR, find out uh, what's going on because you got to know what's taken out of your paycheck and, you know, make sure that those deductions make sense for you. Maybe your money's better allocated a different way. I don't know. I've seen it happen so many times. So Uh, I'm always kind of like urged to talk to you about it. All right, number five, I've talked again about this on a lot of different podcasts. And, you know, there's a million different ways to think about this one. But if you are struggling for a down payment for your first house, one of the ways that you can do it is you have an IRA is, and I'm just talking about IRAs right now, there is a first time homebuyer exemption. That means you can pull out $10,000 penalty-free, all right, if you've not owned a principal residence in the last two years and use this for down payment. Again, there are a lot of details with this. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for you to make sure that you read this and check this out, all right? But the $10,000 is penalty-free, so normally if you were under $59.5 and you pulled money out, you would owe a 10% penalty. Now, it's penalty-free, but it still adds to your income for the year. So you're going to have to pay income taxes on that money. However, it can sometimes help you get to the point of where you can buy your first home. So if you're married and you each have an IRA, you each can pull $10,000 out. Again, it's going to add to your income, but there isn't a penalty. So suddenly now you've got $20,000. It can make a difference for a lot of people. Is it always prudent to do? Nah, not always, right? Because as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, everything is not black and white, right? This is not one size fits all. So the negative is that it is going to take away from your retirement portfolio. That is a very real, um, a very real occurrence. 
Again, so you have to weigh these things out, but I just want to at least be able to talk to you about these things so you know they are available to you. All right, number six, while we're talking about houses, you know, it's a really interesting market out there. It's a really interesting climate. I don't know where you live. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, big city, houses have rebounded, uh, and a lot of times people just can't afford buying their their quote-unquote dream home. And I'm not even talking about something extravagant, right? In in Los Angeles, you got to have at least, and I'm not exaggerating here, around $500,000 to buy a small house that's old. <laughs> this is just sort of the realities here. A lot of cities are booming. There are a lot of places though where you're probably listening like $500,000. We could buy a mansion for that where you live and God bless you because that is such an awesome luxury to have, right? We don't have it out here in Los Angeles. You don't have it in New York or certainly in uh, New York City. Uh, you know, Nashville, booming, booming market. You, you, you know, you're you're fringing on being able to afford there. So there's just a lot of places where that San Francisco, forget it. <laughs> you can't even buy a garage for that amount. But what a lot of people are doing is thinking about this maybe a little bit differently. What if we bought an investment property somewhere? Hmm. And what if that investment property grew and appreciated? What if we could take cash out of that investment property a couple years down the line? Then we could afford the house that we really want in the area that we really want. Hmm. So my point is, is that there are lots of ways to um, look at this, to approach this problem. So I don't want you to, again, get caught in kind of that tunnel vision that there's only one way to do this. There's lots of different ways to do this. There's lots of ways to invest in investment property that's not in your area, right? Again, got to make a smart decision. You got to work with good people. You got to know what you're putting your money into. But sometimes it does work out really well in your favor. So just something to think about. All right, number seven. Um, this is kind of an interesting one. doesn't apply for a lot of people, but I'm finding more and more, uh, especially listeners to this podcast, are doing entrepreneurial things, for instance, having online businesses. Whether it's a blog, whether you're creating courses, um, whether you're coaching, whatever it may be, this is definitely a millennial trend, right? The online business kind of surgence that's happening. And I find that a lot of people who have online businesses are posting uh, income reports, right? How much money you made last month, last year, whatever it may be. Now, normally that's good, right? Because people want to know that you're doing well because then they want to buy whatever you're selling or they want to jump on the bandwagon. It makes sense. It's just human psychology, right? Why would we want to buy something from someone who's not doing well? It wouldn't make sense. But I'm always telling online business owners that are producing these income reports to be a little bit cautious. You know, we live in a very Sue happy world, um, especially if you're in a big city. I mean, it's like at any chance someone can get to sue you. And so it just is, I think, making it really easy that let's say you get in an accident, let's say something happens and somebody decides to sue you and they can go right online. They can tell exactly how much money you made last month or last year or this year or whatever it may be because of these income reports, right? They live online. People can search these things uh, 
And it, it just puts you in risk of exposure, right? And so I'm just always telling people, just be a little on guard of the stuff that you're sharing on social media. This goes for anyone. Stuff you're sharing on social media, the stuff you're selling on Facebook that, that anybody can have access to that type of content, it could put you at an added risk exposure that you just don't need. So maybe think about that next time, you know, you're <laughs> thinking about Instagramming out, I don't know, some amazing thing that you just bought. Not that you shouldn't do it. That's not at all what I'm saying. But if your accounts are public and anybody can see them, I don't know, maybe just uh, just think about that. <laughs> so there are seven things not so talked about, money tips, money ideas, money things to think about. Um, and hopefully these, again, are just a little food for thought for you. Be sure to check the show notes. I'll have links to a lot of these things that we talked about. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Game. And hey, if you love this podcast, do me a favor. Please, please, please share it with your friends. Share it with everybody. Keep this podcast growing. I appreciate you so much. And I'm so excited that you're a listener. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.